Now, if the emotion and the weight and the drama and the climax and all that that is supposed to do does not get inside of you emotionally in some way, then this is hopeless, all right? There is nothing I can tell you today that is going to matter to you probably one bit. Now, in this scene where all of creation turns out around this rock, was Simba king? Think about it. Was Simba king? And if you know the movie, you know it is a big resounding no. Simba was not king. Mufasa was king. What's Simba then? The heir to the throne. The crown prince. The anointed one. See, I think we get so used to thinking of Jesus as king, we just assume he's always king. We assume he's from the beginning. He's part of the Trinity. I mean, he was there in the beginning. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word uh, was from God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him is life, and that life is the light of men. We know the stories. We know the teachings. We know that Jesus has been there from the beginning. And so I think we mistakenly think Jesus was always king. We call him titles, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. How often do you just pray Lord and you're thinking Jesus, right? It's even tucked in to the most common name we give him. You know these terms, Christ. You know these terms, Messiah. These are just foreign language words, Greek for Christ, Hebrew for Messiah. Do you know what they mean? The exact same thing, anointed one. And what does it mean to be an anointed one in the pages of the Old Testament? More than anything else, it means to be a king. So every time we say Jesus Christ, what you're saying is Jesus the king. Every time you say Christ Jesus, you're saying King Jesus. Are you with me? And it's so embedded in our language, it's so embedded in our assumptions that I think we have this assumption that Jesus was always king. But I'm here to tell you, he wasn't. Mufasa was king. The father is king. So what then did Jesus bring? Now today we're celebrating something called Ascension Day. And my bet is that for 80% of us in here, if I say Ascension Day, you say, what's that? Right? Now, my bet bet on top of that is that for the 20% of you who don't know the term, and I say, today's Ascension Day, and you go, oh, yeah, and then you say, who cares, right? What is this thing, Ascension Day, and why does it matter? Because for most of us, it's something forgotten, something relegated to an arcane verse and an arcane book tucked away in some passage somewhere, and for the rest of us, it's nothing more than Bible trivia, It's some point of interest. Oh, yeah, well, Jesus ascended into heaven. Cool. What's on TV? Right? But let me tell you today that the weight that surrounds Jesus' ascension into heaven, the glory, the honor that's attached to it, guys, this is the weight of Easter. This is the weight of Palm Sunday. This is the weight of his birth on Christmas. This is an important day because Ascension Day is the day when Jesus finally took the throne. 
It's when he ascended into heaven to the right hand of God and God gave him the throne and he became King Jesus. Today is the regnal day. That, in all of its glory, in all of its weight, is Ascension Day. Now, I need to clear a a couple of things up about this. Because sometimes people mistakenly think that what this means is that when Jesus died and rose again, his soul just kind of went off into heaven. Remember that like old, is a Norman Greenbaum song, Spirit in the Sky, or something like that? Yeah, remember that? Yeah, it ain't that, okay? It ain't that. When Jesus rose from the dead on Easter Sunday... I'm talking physical, I'm talking blood, I'm talking flesh, I'm talking life. He came back to life, transformed, renewed. It's God's creation, his creation, his material creation was always supposed to be. But for 40 days, and it's a 40-day window, we forget about. He showed himself to the disciples He went to people like Thomas and go, you struggling with the concept of resurrection here? I get it. Put your hands in my hands. Put your hands in my side. Feel the wounds where I was pierced and cut. I'm alive, baby. I am back. I am here before your eyes. Paul writes how that Jesus, over this 40-day period, appeared not only to Peter, not only to John, not only to the 12 disciples, but 500 others, and then he does this other line, and also the apostles. I thought we talked about them already. Apparently, the apostles was something bigger and more teaching them about the kingdom of God, teaching them about the significance of the resurrection, teaching them what God had been doing from the very beginning and is now being brought to pass in him for 40 days, like 40 years in the wilderness, like 40 days of the flood. For 40 days, Jesus spends teaching his disciples and showing them that he is alive. And soon, don't miss it, soon, the king will take his throne and reign. And Acts records that one of these times he's discussing it with his disciples. And then before their very eyes, he goes up. I would really have liked to have seen that. He goes up. And clouds of glory hide him from their sight. And while they're sitting there catching flies with their jaws wide open going, <laughs> right? Two angels appear going, close your mouths. <laughs> close your mouths and stop staring into the sky because Jesus has taken the throne. He's taken this world under his control. His reign is now beginning Get in the game, get to work, make the kingdom come because the king will see it happen. This is Ascension Day. Now, for those of you who are like the math whizzes in the room, you're sitting there going, well, man, we're not 40 days after Easter today. It's like 36 or, or, or whatever, seven times five is 35, right? Or something like that. Yeah, I know, get over it. It's Thursday. Thursday's Ascension Day. Y'all coming for Thursday? Yeah, I didn't think so, so we're doing it today. 
We always celebrated my birthday early too, so you know, whatever. But today <laughs> is the day we remember. What's the line that, that Mufasa's always crying out in that movie? Remember. Remember. Today we remember Jesus taking the throne at the right hand of God, given all glory and power and wisdom and might and wealth and strength. The angels surrounding him, tens upon ten thousands, proclaiming his name. Even now, even now, wrap your mind around this right now. Heaven is busting at the seams with the royal court of God proclaiming not just his victory, but proclaiming him as king. And I think for us, certainly it was for me, it can be so hard to kind of wrap your mind around the weight and the significance of what it means to have a king. Because I grew up hearing words like king as swear words. We live in a democracy. We don't want a king. We heard the stories in history of evil King George III doing taxation without representation. We don't want a king. Our country is based on, on the, the idea that king equals bad. But that's not how the disciples would have, think, would have thought. That's not how the Old Testament world thinks. There is nothing worse in this world than a bad king. But to have a king who is just, a king who is good, a king who is strong, and a king who loves you, is there anything better in the world than that kind of king? I think we struggle with it as well. Because Jesus in his ministry, well, let's just put it this way. He didn't really seem too kingly, did he? Kings don't wear rags. Kings aren't born in barns. Kings don't go forgotten by history until their 30th year of age. Think about it, that with Jesus, there was no paparazzi. That is not how we think of king. Kings sit in palaces. Kings are draped in robes. Kings wear gold. Kings exercise power. People fawn to kings. But that's not the kind of king he happened to be. It's incredible to me that even when Jesus is anointed, Standing there at the River Jordan by John the Baptist, pouring the water over his head and heaven ripping open and the Spirit coming down and God himself saying, this is my son. Translate, my heir, the rightful one to the throne. This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Do to him what you would do to a king. Listen to him. Obey him, follow him, worship him. It's fascinating to me that even after this event, even after he is anointed with the most powerful ceremony the world has ever seen, 
he still doesn't step into that position of what we would think a king should look like. And a king happens to be. That is a phenomenal ringtone. God bless you for that. I'm going to show you a clip here in a minute. See, I think the English get a little bit stronger idea of what it means to have a king, to like a king, to want a king. Okay, I admit it, I'm fully drunk on Netflix. How about you? And what that means is I do what Netflix tells me to do. Have you ever had the moment where you actually went to Netflix wanting to watch something of your own choosing? It just isn't going to happen. They'll never show you what you want to see. And so you find yourself in subject obedience watching what they tell you you should watch that day, what they want to bring, right? And one of these shows for me happened to be The Crown. Have you seen it? It's the story of Queen Elizabeth II, still the reigning queen of England to this day, but it goes back 430 years when Queen Elizabeth was only like 30 years old, all right? It goes back to the 30s or right into the 40s there, watching her ascend to the throne. Now, in season one, episode five, yes, I have it that memorized. It's wrong. I get it. In season one, episode five, there's a scene that I want to show you, and I need to unpack it for you today. Because what you're doing is watching a video of people watching a TV of Queen Elizabeth being coronated as queen. But what you're going to do is hear it narrated through an older gentleman who actually used to be the king. If you ain't up on your British regnal history... Let me unpack it for you today. Elizabeth II reigns today, and before her was Colin Firth. Remember the king's speech. <laughs> but what most people don't remember or don't realize is that Colin Firth was not the one who was supposed to take the throne. It was his older brother, who, if you look it up, actually has like 17 names because he was a king but went by the name of David and reigned for little under a year under the title Edward VIII before he abdicated and gave the throne to his younger brother. And now David, the once king, is watching Elizabeth the Deuce come to the throne, relegating and unpacking the significance of what you're seeing and the choice he happened to make as well. Hopefully that's enough context. Take a watch. The oils and oaths, orbs and scepters, symbol upon symbol, an unfathomable web of arcane mystery and liturgy blurring so many lines, no clergyman or historian or lawyer could ever untangle any of it. It's crazy. On the contrary, it's perfectly sane. Who wants transparency when you can have magic? 
Who wants prose when you can have poetry? Pull away the veil, and what are you left with? An ordinary young woman of modest stability and little imagination. And wrap her up like this, anoint her with oil, and hey presto, what do you have? A goddess. I turned it down for something greater still. And to think that Doctor Who was there the whole time. <laughs> it's that line at the end. I want you to zero in on it. And to think you turned that all down. To which he replies, I turned it down for something greater still. Imagine now, if you will, the crown prince of heaven, born in royal court and entitled to all the power and authority and majesty that heaven offers. Stepping away, turning it all down to live among you and me. And not as someone great or infamous, not as someone glorified or politically powerful, but coming like the least of us, turning it all down for something greater still. For obedience to his father. For obedience to his mission. To come and fight the battles and pay the price and give himself a sacrifice. And be punished for his subjects. For you and for me doing exactly what a king should be turning down the glory, the majesty, and the pomp to give his life for you and me. That is your king. And I've got terribly good news for you. 
Because in doing that, this king has won the victory. This king has fulfilled the mission. This king has set you free. This king has overthrown every enemy of the kingdom that plagued this world from the beginning and that plagues us still. And 40 days after rising from the dead, God said, it is time. Take your throne. Reign. You are the king. Today we gather to remember that day when Jesus ascended into heaven to take the throne and from where he now reigns as our king.